Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Still trying out the new opening. I uh, I like that. We like to help people find their inspiration here. That's the idea for these guests that I pick the brains of to help you feel jazzed about doing comedy, however you may do comedy. And today's guest is great for inspiration because he's super talented, super nice, and has a lot of thoughtful theory on comedy and and approaching performance. We get into all of that. We get into a good bit of stuff. So let's just jump right in. Here's my chat with Colin Batten. You immediately were someone that we really took a liking to when we saw you perform uh, as you know because one day you're just walking down the street in Astoria and someone shouted your name at you that you oh, had never right. seen before oh, yeah. and that That's was right. uh, that was girlfriend of the show Justina um, just is, that saw the official, is that the official title that's her, that's her official title for the show and um yeah, you know, I mean, we have friends of the show, but this is like, uh, she's a girlfriend of the show. No one, no show has a girlfriend of the show. That's uh, that's a very special place to be. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was very surprising to like, I'm trying to remember where we were going. I think we were probably going to a restaurant maybe two doors down. <laughs> and yeah, you don't expect to just like be playing and running around with your, your wife and your child and somebody just yell out of a pizza shop at you. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, she was, she... <laughs> We huh. saw you, I guess it was, because you joined Body Work like a year ago? Well, it's been, yeah, maybe a little over a year ago. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that was our first time seeing you, and we just instantly like liked you. We just thought you were so funny. And oh, that's very she nice. talked a couple of times about like, oh, he's so funny. That guy Colin, he's so funny. And um, so when you walked by, it was such a surprise to her. And um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and she would two days prior. She was probably saying how funny you were, oh, wow. and um, so <laughs> she geeked And I out think, a like, bit. I think when I saw you, maybe like new teams had just started for that season. Maybe yeah. I think. Yeah, I think you were just like a two or three shows in. Maybe I believe. Right, and that's exactly yeah. what it was. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, and I wasn't out there at first too. So <laughs> when you turn around, she wasn't on teams yet. So you had yeah, I didn't seen know, her. I before. didn't know. I didn't know her. Yeah, it was so that's, a that's what made it a special extra surprise. Of just like, hi, because it's just like you just you're in those moments of just like because I think that happens a lot in the city. It's like once you've been here a while, after a while, you're kind of in the same places, and it just becomes more like a college campus. Yeah, you know, where you're just running into people that you kind of vaguely know or know well, and mm-hmm. you're just kind of catching up. So it's like it's not a total surprise for somebody to just be like, hey. But then when you turn around and you just like you don't fully know the face, but it's maybe like slightly recognizable you're just like oh no oh no because i'm and i'm also i'm i'm bad with names oh and yeah so i just have like this i've got this block <laughs> i inherited from my dad where uh i just see people and i just i will blank on a name so hard mm-hmm. and i just so it's my biggest fear to like not my biggest fear 
But uh, a fear to just see somebody and think, oh, did I meet this person and I don't remember who they are? Yeah, especially when like somebody's like so like smiling and nice and like hi, (laughs) and you're just like, ah, hi, hello, yeah, Um, it was a relief, I guess, when you found out it wasn't that you had met, and and then she was just just fangirling. (laughs) Yeah, so that was cool, and you got to meet my son. So yeah, and your wife too. And my wife, yeah. She's we had several good laughs about um, about that because then, like, she immediately was like, "What in the world was I doing? You know, like, <laughs> why would I do that to them?" <laughs> Especially just like I think it's funny for me because I'm just like to to do that for just like an improviser that you just see at the theater every <laughs> once in a while. I'm just like, because like I don't have like the highest sense of self when it comes to like improv at all. So I'm just like. Oh, I get that. Yeah. I mean, and I've noticed that, too, because, you know, it's I I think that was something I talked about with somebody about like Ilana Fishbein, you know, where it's like Mm -hmm. in the community, she's a big deal. But she walks down the street just like anyone else who walks down the street. And it's just sort of like another person, you know, yeah. like this is once you get out of your your community or your bubble or whatever. Uh, you know, you're just like another person. Yeah, you, just get, you just get back in your shell and yeah, and just <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you just you know, do your thing. It's not yeah. like Beyonce, you know. Like Beyonce, probably at this point expects somebody to be like, "Oh my gosh, hey," you know. Yeah, but when it's an improviser, yeah, she's Beyonce's pretty well known. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, we've we've laughed at that a few times. Um, what else? <laughs> uh, <laughs> laughed at. I mean, it's unfortunately at her expense, but she's leading the charge at laughing. I think herself. she's. If the girlfriend of the podcast is laughing, then I think everybody can join in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you, uh, you've always been real kind and helpful, I thought, and, uh, you know, maybe that's part of upbringing or part of improv or a little bit of both, but, uh, you know, you're a supportive guy. Oh, wow. Um, that's very nice to say. Uh, I don't, yeah, I think like, uh, yeah, I, I would say probably the inclination to be nice is just, is, yeah, I guess that's upbringing, but it's also, it's just like. Like for that instance, it's like when you see somebody who's like new to a team, they've had like one or two shows mm-hmm. and it's especially when you've been there. It's like because like uh, definitely talking like small world here of like the improv thing of like because mm-hmm. uh, um, when you see people like go through the programs, whatever theater you're at. And it's like everybody has like the goal to kind of like I want to be on a house team. I want to be on the house team. And then it's like you get the thing. And sometimes it's like you build it up to be maybe like bigger than it is Mm -hmm. to the point where maybe you just can't relax and just do what got you there in the first place. So I think it, you know, if you, it is important for people to just be like, Hey, enjoy it. Have fun. It's probably not going to go exactly how you like. Yeah. Uh, but just, uh, enjoy it. Have fun. You're doing great. And that's great (laughs) life advice. I mean, that's something that, um, Conan O'Brien said, which I've mentioned a million times. It's, I'm actually looking at a poster of his line of like, if you work hard and you're kind, then, you know, like, and that started, I mean, it's not on the poster. It's not what most people quote, but I always mention it, like, right before he said that, he said, not everything's going to work out the way you want it to. So totally, you know, that's just good life advice. And I, I think um, yeah, there's some advice that Justina and I heard recently, which was, uh, if you want to be happier, let go of all of your expectations of people. Oh, yeah, that's and, a good one. Totally. Right. 
and I, I think that's applicable to how people treat improv in big cities when they want to get on a house team and they maybe do get on a house team and they have their expectations because it's essentially getting the dream job. But right. That could just be like meeting your heroes. It's just not what you expected. And it's yeah. it doesn't even have to be bad. It's just different than what it's you expected. Totally. And so it's and a I, letdown yeah. for so many people. Yeah, I think and it's also it, like and part of it is like uh, there's a, I think there's also like the expectation of what you're going to get out of it. Like there's like some result that's going to happen out of it. Um, and I, you know, I like when I was at because I did IO to Chicago. That's where I first started training mm-hmm. and like at IO, at IO yeah. Mm-hmm. And to get on a house team was like like this crown jewel it got built up to be so so big so it's like when i got out of my 5b class and that's where they select teams um Mm -hmm. after that and i think out of like i forget how many people it was so many maybe like 60 people they just did one team that season and it was like people were like devastated Mm -hmm. like absolutely just so devastated like i know some people quit improv yeah. Uh, out of just like being so disappointed because like, but up until that point, it's like you just enjoyed the thing yeah. of like just learning and trying to get better and you know and it's like but you got so focused on this thing that you you stopped like looking around and realizing all these people that are that are surrounding you that are like now your new friends mm-hmm. and um, and all these like cool things that you've done and how you're still learning and. Um, and on the flip side of that, like I'm glad I did not get on a house team mm. right right away because uh, um, a, it makes you like reassess and be realistic, but it also like adds like drive to oh I have to get better. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I think sometimes getting what you want right away is also that can hurt you as well. I 100 um, percent agree with that. I and I've sort of witnessed that with people who also didn't get on teams and you know you see some sort of um you see the disappointment sort of play out in what can easily turn into bitterness which totally. is you know being disappointed completely reasonable and understanding mm-hmm. um yeah. but when it turns into bitterness it's easy for me to see that as maybe having the wrong expectations and totally and in some cases people being a little petulant because it didn't go exactly as they planned or how they wanted it to. But, like, it's... Yeah, it's hard yeah. when you think that you're going to just be on an improv team and then SNL is is, <laughs> is next. And I think right. that's, you know, it's like, I think, you know, I think it's easy to, like, think big but be unrealistic in what that that big is, you know? Right. Um, as opposed to just, like... Um, I, again, again, like I'm, I'm, I'm really glad, like improv-wise, just with things I've done that I that I did start in Chicago because it was one of these things where they, tr- you know, on its own, it's like it, it was odd to me coming from New York to Chicago. It was odd for me to see that like theater actors they did theater, mm-hmm. and improvisers they did improv. It was like their art form. And maybe they did some sketch and all that kind of stuff, but for the most part, they were improvisers, and that was their art form. And it mm-hmm. was it was heightened to that sensibility of like this is your art. Um, and I've always kind of carried that with me, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, hey, it's a fun thing that I do. It's gonna like you know 
help me do other stuff or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's like, no, it's like Im- improv and long form improv is like, that is an art form within itself. And it should be treated just like any other art form as far as like the dedication and the joy you get out of just doing that thing. Right. And, and, and just your, working towards the goal of being the best you can be within this thing that is enough exactly Um, exactly i think it is kind of dangerous to put um lofty expectations on what your career can be i mean when i was back home and helping run an open mic Mm -hmm. um and got just to be one of the familiar faces there for like newer open micers there were a couple people who came through and they they kind of they wanted to know if they had a future or if they were going to make it in comedy <laughs> right, and it's like right. we're in South Carolina and South this Carolina, is we're, we're in, South Carolina. in Greenville South Carolina and I know you went to college in Greenville North Carolina that's right I'm from North Carolina okay oh, cool right let's on, talk about the Carolinas in a second but totally. um, one of the things that was so odd about people thinking that was listen like it's an open mic. And we're not in New York City or mm-hmm. L.A. where someone's going to see you and make you the biggest right. star in the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, we had people like Rory Scovel come through town, and yeah, he can put somebody in something. But, what, like, th- to have that sort of expectation from an open mic is a... Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's delusional. It is, yes, yes. And, and unsafe, yeah. you know? It's just not where you need to be. And, and, you know, when people start playing guitar, most people, 99% of people probably, who, who start playing guitar or piano or something aren't saying, I'm going to be the biggest rock star. They're, they just want to play because it's fun. And, and they have an interest in it. And right. I kind of wish people would be more open to that when it comes to doing improv or or doing stand-up or something where it's like this is something i have an interest in and want to get better at and just focus on it from that point and if totally. they aren't someone who if they if they do have uh desires to be in the entertainment industry then take right. it seriously and be professional but don't think that just because you got on a house team you're gonna make snl or that just because you got on snl you're gonna be this big star either i mean it right. just there are expectations that have to be managed sure. uh, with with a, a lot of this stuff. And you have to sort of look around and see different successful people and different, the different levels of success that they have and how that is still okay and good totally. and fine. Yeah, totally. And so, I think it's hard when you just see success and you're just like, you just see the success and mm-hmm. you don't see the work. It's, yeah. you know, that's oh, the yeah. stuff that's not, you know. You don't see a picture of that. So. No, no, that's the, that is another one of the things that um, I try to demystify on on this podcast of just like, listen, there's a lot of work behind what you see. Some of these great people do. They they spend totally. a lot of years crafting. I know. It's yeah. It's, you know, there was they weren't an overnight success. Um, they spent totally. twelve years training. Yeah. <laughs> or there's just a lot more work than you realize that goes into writing for a talk show or whatever. Um, it's not something you just walk into and do at your leisure. Yeah, it's hard, especially when your want to is so big that you just you can't even realize the necessary steps that it's going to take yeah. to get there. Yeah. But uh, well, speaking of training and the Carolinas, mm-hmm. so I mentioned yeah. you trained at 
in, in Greenville, North Carolina at East Carolina yeah. University. And you're That's from, right. so that was one of the things I was wondering because, um, I don't know if I just like with a sixth sense just picked up a, a Carolina kinship with you, but oh, right. there was yeah. something there that was like, I feel, I have a feeling. And then I saw that you went to East Carolina. Where in North Carolina are you from? So I'm from uh, Garner, North Carolina. So that's okay. it's south, southeast Raleigh, basically. Oh, yeah, I lived in Raleigh until I was 11. Oh wow. Yeah. Where Where were you Were you born in Raleigh? I was actually born in Spartanburg, South Carolina, but my parents at, and my brother were in Raleigh. Okay. Um, that's That's where home was, but they were back home with their parents in right. South Carolina. So that's just. <laughs> It's, it was, I was born in the January, so they were there for the holidays and, Got it. you know, I just ended up being born in, in South Carolina. And then we moved to, well, move, we, they took me back uh, to their home in Raleigh. Right. And um, it's, uh, so, yeah, and then I lived in South Carolina before moving here. Okay. And um, you, so you were in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I imagine since you went into theater, music theater in college, I imagine you were doing theater in high school and, and maybe even younger. Yeah, just in high, not, not younger. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I think the first like, like show that I had ever done was like my sophomore year of high school. I was a pirate in Pirates of Penzance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was very lucky because like, um, you know, like most you know, small towns, you know, especially in the South, it's like football, like football's big, you know, sports big, all that kind of stuff. And I was like really into baseball. Like I love playing baseball. That's all I really ever cared to do. But I was also fortunate that my mom in my, before freshman year of high school made me audition for, to be in the course. Um, (laughs) like the, the auditions had already happened. They had already like, you know, everybody was already, uh, that, that was already done. And my mom was like, you're going to be in some kind of form. You're going to be in some kind of art. You're going to play a instrument. You're going to be in chorus. You're going to do something creative. <laughs> um, I think it's cause it was just born out of like, she never got any of that growing up. So she was like, uh-huh. you guys. So like my sister played flute and she was in the marching band and they were super involved mm-hmm. in that. And they were like, you're going to do the same thing. And I was like, I don't know. And so it's like, she drove me down like it was like maybe three weeks before school started and everybody had already been assigned to like their course and all that kind of stuff. She drove me down to Mr. Gillum's office and, mm-hmm. and I had to, I was there by myself. I sang, uh, it was, uh, I had taped accompaniment from my sister of wind beneath my wings mm-hmm. and I <laughs> trembly tried to sing that in his office, broke down crying because I was so nervous that and then he just like he I remember Mr. Gillum took me into a stairwell like off to the side just so as he and I just slowly talked to me he's like all right let's just try it and like he was very kind mm-hmm. um and I weakly sang wind beneath my wings <laughs> and I got into the chorus but like I was saying I was very fortunate that like for whatever reason like uh the chorus and like theater and arts and sports like were equal they were equal at our oh, school cool. It's like there was like I remember uh, a couple guys like from the football team wanted like 
one of these great uh, Aaron from that. Like ever Aaron, everybody knows Aaron. <laughs> um, uh, oh, yeah. Good guy. Yeah, okay. just like he's like great guys, and it's like they're in chorus, and then they go to football practice, and it was just like it was like That's these cool. equal. It was like an equal standing kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and which so is not like the those, typical. <laughs> not, usually, yeah. it's like you have band geeks, and then you have the like cool quarterback yeah, or whatever. It was like worlds. yeah. I, you know, I feel like Garner at that time, my hometown, it was like, it was maybe like one of the last generations of like kind of small town before it was just like, all right, here's a thousand kids in school or whatever. <laughs> um, still pretty small, like graduating classes and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So I feel like there was maybe a little bit more room for that kind of intermingling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel kind of lucky in that, um, that those kind of worlds collided. So yeah, I got like into chorus and still was playing baseball. And then I remember I got cut my sophomore year, uh, of JV baseball because I cut short the run so I could go to rehearsal for Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I guess, uh, I guess I'll do theater now. Uh, <laughs> and I just, you know, and then it was just like a fun thing. And then, but it was never my intention to ever be in theater or to ever be an actor. Never oh, wow. thought that, never thought that would happen. It was never like a desire of mine whatsoever. Uh, what did I you want to do at that time? I had no idea. Uh, I really had no idea. Um, so I went to East Carolina cause it was the one school I got accepted to oh, well. cause I had very average grades. Um, and <laughs> like I, me. sounds like me. Yeah. And I think part of, you know, part of that was like my sister went there. So it was like, all right, Larry, all right, let, let, let him in too, I guess. And, um, so yeah, so that's why I went there and, you know, a handful of my high school friends also went there and they went specifically to go to that theater department and I knew nothing about it. I went through my freshman year just doing kind of just like gen ed, just general stuff. And mm-hmm. it was like that next year, a couple of my friends were like, Hey, you should audition for the show. You could do it. And it was, they were doing cabaret and I was like, Okay. And my sister was a music therapy major at the time. So Mm -hmm. she like helped me prepare a song. I sang, I got, I did that. I got in that show, uh, enjoyed it. I knew a lot of people there already from school and then meeting some new people. And then I was like, "Ah, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just be a theater major. (laughs) That's really how it went. And, uh, that's, that's how it went. I so it was an for- interest that you were just doing for fun, like we were talking about before, of just like, you know, no expectations. It's like, hey, this is yeah. something fun. And then it became more of a passion for you later. Yeah, it really was. It's like, I mean, as I've gotten older, I just kind of like, and I look back and I tell people, I was like, I just have kind of followed the yeses that have happened. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, people are like, you should audition. I auditioned. They said, yes, I did it. Great. Audition for something else. Get it. They do it. Okay, well, I guess I'm going to do theater and just, you know, follow that track and just kind of follow it to its end. And, mm-hmm. you know, then of course, by the, you know, by the time I go through the full program at ECU, it's like, then I'm, then I'm passionate. I'm overly passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just like, I'm doing it. And me and a handful of buddies are like, we're moving to New York. We're doing, we're doing the thing. And, um, so that's what got kind of kicked, kicked it off to like, just go and do it. Wow. Um, just young naivete. <laughs> what you need at that age, you know, you need Yo, to just that's the only, yeah, go I, for it. I, I wish I had, I wish I still had some of that of just like, go do, go try. Cause you don't know any better and you don't mm-hmm. know the consequences and you don't care about failure. You know, it's just like, yeah. you only, you only see, you only see you achieving absolutely everything. And if that's like the best place to be and 
even though it could be the worst place to be at the same time, I guess, <laughs> as, we, as we were saying earlier about, you know, your expectations being maybe a little too conflated. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's like if you're going to make a big move like that, it was like, yeah, you just, you just kind of got to do it. But yeah. yeah, it's like now I'm way too cautious. It's like I have a kid, I have my wife. I'm like, I worry about everything. Like, I, I don't leave the house without, you know, checking my bag four times. So, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I've gotten more cautious in, in some respects as I've gotten older. I mean, I moved out here at 37. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's not, or 38 or whatever. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's not super cautious at that age. But at the same time, uh, I do like leave the apartment checking phone wallet keys sure. a million times, even though I, I just locked the door. So I know I have my keys. Um, so what was like the, I'm just curious, what was the flashpoint for you of like from Greenville and to come up here? Was there something specific or was it a job? Was it, it was, uh, uh the desire to, as if, if Justine and I have put it, the desire to, uh, level up. Sure. And, okay. uh, you know, just we had a great community back home, a lot of great opportunities. And uh, I was working in radio and doing acting work and uh, and doing comedy so much. And it was a lot of fun. And I had a, a lot of like support and stabili- stability around me. Sure. But, yeah. um, you know, I, there was just more I wanted to do mm-hmm. and and wanted more and bigger opportunities. Yeah. And it's that was what precipitated it. And I had wanted to move here for many years, um, since I was 30 actually. Cool. And, yeah. uh, was just sort of waiting for what felt like the right time. And, sure. um, Justina said, I want to move to New York and I want you to come with me. I already knew the answer was yes. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't have to think about totally. it. So yeah, that's it was the totally. easiest choice I've made. Sure. Yeah, I always daydream of like if I didn't move to New York, what would have my track been? And I'm curious if like uh oh, probably maybe done the same. If it just that thing that just gnaws at you so long, you're just like, yeah. well, I gotta, I gotta do it. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's awesome that that you did it. That you still did it because it's so easy to just be like, ah, oh, no, it's it's mm-hmm. you know the time has passed. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, it's yeah. easier, and I guess for some people to be able to make that choice at 25. I mean. And I don't know if I had a wife and kids, maybe I wouldn't have had the guts to do that. But, um, you know, honestly, I mean, I kind of look to Stephen Colbert. Uh, I I look up to him in a lot of ways. I wish I knew him. So I I guess I can't say I look up to him, but I admire him. And, um, and, you know, partly the South Carolina connection. But also like when he moved from Chicago to New York, um, he had a wife and he had a, a newborn. Mm-hmm. You know, and he wasn't working, and he was just. That's like when he was doing the Dana something. Carvey show, right? Right. That was yeah. you know, <laughs> that was like kind of a big swing to just try to make life work, and that you know, when you have that sort of stability and you make a choice like that, I really admire that because you are you are investing in yourself, which I think is important to do regardless of what stage you're in, mm-hmm. and I, I think some people could be too cautious in a situation like that out of wanting to take care of family. But I think you are taking care of family when you invest in yourself and make a big choice like that, because you're clearly trying to do something for your family as well as yourself. You know, you're not, you're not only thinking about yourself. You're thinking about like, well, here, 
here's what I can do and here's what I want to do. And I truly believe that is the best shot I have at taking care of everything and everyone. Yeah, totally. Man, you're, you're preaching to me now, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my wife is an actress and a singer too, so it's like we're constantly like weighing – the career and the family, the career and the family, the career and the family. And like, um, yeah. So it's always like trying to, you know, figure out best practices. Yeah. Uh, you know, constantly. And so absolutely. And you yeah, know, it's, it's not easy, but what is, you know, I mean, yeah, if I took a and sales I, job, that wouldn't be easy because I'm not necessarily good at sales and you have, it's, it's still a, a vigorous road to travel down. Totally. And you'd be miserable. Right. On top of that, <laughs> I might have the money that I want, but I don't yeah. have, um, I'm not getting, uh, the edification that I want or the sort of mental support. I don't know the right word to use for it, but just like knowing that you are doing what you feel like you're put on the earth to do with yourself. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things for me with acting. Uh, I, I heard, John Stewart say that when he found comedy, when he started doing comedy, he said it, it sounded like, it, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, he said it felt like he found the socket for his plug. Mm, sure. And that's how I feel about entertainment and media work. And when I'm not doing that, I'm like, okay, you know, I can do this if I need to earn some scratch. But the thing that makes me feel like I'm being energized or... Um, validated, you know, that's, that's when I'm doing this kind of work, you know, the kind of work totally. we're talking about. Yeah, man. You made yeah. some big moves. Uh, how long have you been married? Uh, six years. May 12th was six years. And when did you move from New York to Chicago? Okay, so... I, it's, it was a bit of a, kind of a lot of back and forth. So, uh, at the time I was still doing Blue Man Group. I did Blue Man Group for like six and a half years. Right. Have to talk um, about that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I did that for a long time. And that was in Chicago. I kind of bounced around. So okay. I did, I did all my like auditions and training here in New York, which is, mm -hmm. that's typical. And then you kind of get your, your first, like, a, you know, you get like your assignment if you make it through all that, this oh, okay. incredible process. If you want to know about Blue Men Auditions, they just released uh, a documentary on YouTube about just that with a new class of auditionees. You can kind of see what you go through. It is a reality show. It's insane. Mm -hmm. It's one of the craziest, best, weirdest, most stressful things I've ever been through in my life. And how how yeah, it's, accurate it is Arrested Development on? <laughs> uh, it's like uh, n not. It's not. It's, it's a great. It's a great bit. Uh, but but not not not. That remotely accurate. like. Yeah yeah. It's a great bit though. I love that bit. Oh man. Um, and then. Um, well, oh, you're a really yes. great physical actor, and I think that's one of the things, you know, that, that first time Justina and I saw you, what was making us laugh so hard was a physical bit you were doing, where right. you were uh, pimped into being, like, the best-looking guy in class or something, or just, just oh. the best-looking guy, and you just started... You just started sitting a certain way and making certain faces, and it just killed us, right. what you were doing. <laughs> and uh, so when I... When I found out that you worked for Blue Man Group, I was like, yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> He's great at 
being uh, you're a great stage performer, even when you're not speaking. You know, you, you say a lot without words. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you that. Oh, yeah. And I imagine <laughs> but, that's why uh, part of the reason why you got the job and also why you got better at doing that is because of Blue Man Group. I think it definitely made me like as far as like improv goes or just, you know, just anything. Uh, it definitely has made me more like I'm very comfortable being still and I'm very comfortable being quiet. Mm. Uh, it's in physical stuff is like by far what I am most comfortable with. Like if I if I could ever just do a scene or even a whole show and just not say anything, um, I would be thrilled. I, I, mm -hmm. I would love it. Um, I remember Deep Queens, which was my first, that was my first house team. Um, and after we got uh, our notice that we were getting cut, it, like then we just started giving ourselves like challenges for our last like few shows. And one of our shows was like a completely silent show. Oh, wow. Which I, I was so, I was so happy. I was so happy and thrilled and excited and um it's just it's such a fun way to play um like i just i love like it's like buster keaton like all yeah. that kind of stuff i just love all that stuff and it's just um and it's just behavior it's like that like my my first acting teacher in college don um mm -hmm. it was all miser based stuff and he was just like oh he just constantly preached just behavior 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 is everything um and it's and it's true even if you know just uh if you're just like even in writing a script it's like shh, you know show us don't tell us and yeah. i think i think that's very applicable for especially like starts of scenes you know to make this an improv thing mm -hmm. uh just starts of scenes just to like you know touch something in the space and just make eye contact and just um just kind of live live in some silence for a while and mm -hmm. just uh kind of find your way through that i think for some people it's like can be very uncomfortable so it's just like the yeah. verbal will just go 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 well yeah um, that's one of the biggest um or, or maybe maybe it's one of the most given notes but it does seem like it's one of the biggest uh for lack of a better term problems that you see in improv is people feeling like they have to fill up the space with words even if they're yeah. meaningless words yeah and it's i think it's hard for people to trust that just like if you if two people sat on stage and just behave together with no words it it's people underestimate how interesting it that is to watch like my favorite i love just people watching like just get on the train and just watch people and it's like yeah. they're just they're just sitting there just doing their thing <laughs> but it's just infinitely interesting to me to watch and just mm -hmm. to like put my I, it's just like if you do that on stage the audience is going to just start mapping their own story on top of it yeah so when you do start talking you do start fleshing out your world they're going to be surprised because it's either matched up with what they thought or it's going to be different than what they thought and it's going to it's going to create a reaction of some kind um which i think's mm -hmm. that's a beautiful thing that's yeah. great yeah yeah so your musical background and this love of performing silently or, or being comfortable doing it as well, mm -hmm. um, that all came in handy when you're working with Blue Men. Yeah, I think just like, oh man, there were so many just things of like, that just kind of like were right time, right spot, just lucky. Like even the fact that like I was working at a sporting goods shop selling golf clubs and tennis and my manager... Uh, his sister was a casting director. Mm. I didn't. I didn't know that until like months down the line. 
<laughs> and you know, it was just like a casual, just a casual conversation. I wasn't like trying to like make anything of it. It was just one of those things. I was like, Hey, it could, would you mind just like looking at my headshot for him to look at it? Just cause I knew <laughs> he was some, he, he saw a lot of theater and he just, because of his sister, he knew some stuff. And I was just like, just looking for anything. I was like, would you just mind looking at my headshot and just come give me some feedback? And he's like, I'll show my sister. Mm-hmm. And then that like, you know, of course she was like, these are awful. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it was like some black and white, just terrible first head. It's first headshots. Yeah. Gonna... And, um, but yeah, like that led to like a few auditions and then like a few years later that led to a blue man audition kind of a thing. Um, and then you couple that with like, yeah, some, some music training and like, mm-hmm. uh, just a confluence of just life stuff <laughs> coming um, together for you. Yeah. yeah. Just, just like kind of a, a whole weird mix of things, uh, that just kind of, were happened to come together at the same time, which was great. Yeah, and that oh, that six years. I mean, what was that experience like? Because it's something that people are sort of mesmerized by Blue Man Group. And what's it like being on the other side of that? I've never heard anyone who's been in that group talk about that. Yeah, the six years, like it kind of gave. I mean, it took on its a full arc of like like fully ecstatic being the new guy at school, just trying to keep up and try to figure it out. Um, and the thing about blue man group, it's like very intensive within the training, but they're also very intensive with their feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like notes, there's notes after every show, um, which for most theater, that is not commonplace at all. Mm-hmm. Um, at once you're, once you're into a show run, it's like, then, you know, right. on occasion, maybe a note here or there, uh, and most of that are just be like line notes, but this is like stage manager, uh, like every, it's just a community kind of based kind of a deal, mm-hmm. um, that came out of its origins was just like, everybody kind of has a voice, everybody has feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get notes. So it's just like, you're getting constant feedback, which depending on your level of confidence can either be like feedback or, or it could be criticism, mm-hmm. um, which can, you know, mess with you in all kinds of ways. Um, so that's like the first stage is like just trying to survive and just figure it out. Um, and for me, like my first city was Las Vegas. So I was in Las Vegas for six months. Um, I did that and then I went back to New York Mm -hmm. and got to work in New York. And by the time I got back to New York, it was just like a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more familiar just because I was back home essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of on familiar territory. So I just felt a little bit more you know, a little bit more comfortable. Uh, I, I knew more people by then. Um, and then you, but then after a while, it's like anything, even though it's very creative and you're working, you know, years down the road, it, you know, it becomes a job. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, you know, you show up and you clock in, you do your job, you clock out, you go home. Mm -hmm. Um, so at that point, uh, you're just trying to stay, you know, you're trying to keep it fresh, trying to keep it new. And a lot of, and something that's the most help that was helpful for me was to start improv training. Um, Mm. so I, you know, through a whole journey of cities and all this other kind of stuff, I had ended up back in, I ended up in Chicago. Um, and I just had some time and I, uh, I was only going to be in Chicago for a few months just to do like some vacation coverage because they were light in their cast at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I had like, to like a, a perfect amount of time to take a level one class at IO. So I really was just doing it, doing it just as a thing of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what a, it helped me 
with Blue Man because it just gave me a distraction. It gave me something new creatively, mm-hmm. which fed into my show and fed into my Blue Man. Um, but it also just led me into the world of improv, which is great and has served me yeah, great but, as an a- actor and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of, um, I guess, synergy, we could say. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to, I mean, I don't think I've used the word since it's such a businessy word uh, on the podcast, but that's essentially what you're experiencing because there are a lot of different things coming together. Yeah. Um, and when you moved back to New York, um, mm-hmm. you know, you went to some, uh, maybe some more actor studios, but you definitely went to the Magnet and the Pit at that point. Uh, yeah, I did the pit because uh, before um, – I think before I'd taken an improv, I did like just one writing – I did a writing class there. Mm-hmm. And then after going – you know, coming back to Chicago, going through I.O., I essentially just wanted to find something similar to like style, culture, mm. um, and just like, you know um, – oh, applications of improv. I don't know. I don't know the right word to say, but, um, yeah, yeah. you know, just, just theory and, and mm-hmm. of, of that. So I, you know, for me, I was like, well, UCB is probably not like the best fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, you know, I did, I did a class at the pit and started at magnet kind of at the same time, just, and then, then I just chose. And then I went with magnet, um, yeah. just cause I didn't have the, you know, I didn't really have the time to like do two, three things at once. So right. I just wanted to do like, I just wanted to have a goal, get through a program and try to get on a house team. So magnet was the choice for me um, yeah and was that yeah. you know i mean having been in in chicago at io and then also mm-hmm. um having success there and having success in in blue man group is it hard to then go back to taking like more like level one level two sort of classes at a new theater it's i mean at first when you're signing up for it you're like oh man i gotta start over uh until you get in i it, it's it's two it's 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 kind of yes and no because mm-hmm. i think starting starting at ground one a just to get introduced into that community is the best way mm-hmm. because you're going to follow the same kind of crew all the way through yeah um so i think in that way it's 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 very important and it's very good um and I and for me it's like I don't I didn't feel like I was like a super accomplished improviser where I just needed to like go ahead and just be auditioning for teams or something like that. But mm-hmm. I was like, can I start at level two? Can I start at level three? You know, I definitely asked those questions, which I don't think is uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, so at the pit I started at level two, and then you know I, I started at level one with uh, with the magnet. But I'm I don't I don't mind that. I'm yeah. glad I did that because um, it was just also just like. It's just like anything. You always need to just kind of touch base with the fundamentals, always. Um, right. And it's just like you're never bigger than bigger than that. So, um, so it's good. Yeah. yeah, that's a good attitude to have. Yeah. And you've done a ton <laughs> of commercials too. Uh, I wouldn't say a ton. I've been, you know, I've been lucky. You've been to in get some it. good ones. You've been, you know, I mean, you like a, get a handful. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool one. Um, I, re- be, I remember seeing that. The that the visa, visa one. Had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good one. I wish yeah. it still ran. <laughs> I wish it still ran. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, commercials are, are good. Like the audition process is usually pretty relaxed and pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, um, but that's definitely one of those things where it's like, oh, I want this thing. And then you get it and you go, oh, now I have to do the thing. Um, yeah. uh, 
but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, you just kind of commercial work. You just kind of have to ride the wave. Sometimes it's busy, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're in, sometimes you're out. Um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of playing the lottery a little bit. But yeah, I've been pretty lucky with with that so far. Uh, and I feel like, especially now, I think a lot of casting directors are just like really well versed within the, the the theaters here in New York and mm-hmm. um, really pull from those uh, on a pretty consistent basis. It's like, you know, some casting directors, it's like you just see a lot of the same people mm-hmm. uh, and they're all within the UCB magnet pit universe uh, right. kind of a thing, which is right. great, which is fun. Let's talk a little about philosophy before we uh, have to, you know, rush along to the end. Um, sure. So when it, it, it you mentioned that you picked Magnet because it, mm-hmm. it vibed with you more. What is it about the, you know, not necessarily the Magnet structure, but just about improv that you're looking for? Ooh, and me, enjoy. Well, yeah, I think like, I guess for me mostly, I just enjoy, and it probably just comes from just my background. It was like, I was an act, you know, I just did like really intensive like actor training first. I did a two year mm-hmm. Meisner program. And then when I was in New York, I was in a um, a Meisner acting like a studio and scene study. So I think that's always like kind of where I come from first, um, as far as just like, um, you know, trying to come with just like an emotional truth of something, an emotional point of view of something, a feeling about yourself and how you feel about the other person, and then just kind of living in that and reacting off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's easy, you know. I think the general turn that comes out of that for people sometimes is like, I want to do really grounded scenes. I want to do grounded scenes, grounded scene work, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a good approach. I think the the problem sometimes in that is when people hold on to that, that goal or that point of view of like, I'm going to do a grounded scene, which just becomes like, I'm going to do a serious scene. And it, right. it's something that gets held on to so much that they're not in adjustment with their scene partner right? Uh, who has said something totally different that if you're in adjustment <laughs> would take you off that course and then you just, you know, a leaf in the wind, right. uh, just right. kind of float along with what's happening. Um, yeah, that's something that, because my team uh, tries to be grounded. Sweetheart, that's our, our in on scenes is, is being grounded, but right. it is easy to... Uh, sort of overlook the comedic element sometimes, you know, like you, you sort of forget the mischief part of comedy and then you're, right. you're just thinking like drama almost. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It's like you try to guide yourself. Like you just oversteer yourself too hard to be, to be something that's not really there. Mm -hmm. Or you just like, you kind of miss like the weird thing that was said, even Mm -hmm. though it was said in all earnestness and seriousness, it's like, it's still a weird thing of like, oh, you love Uncle Dave? Like, and just like, why you love, like, well, let's just talk about why you love Uncle Dave. Right. right. You can still be earnest and concerned and empathetic and, and, but you still have, but, you know, just being flexible enough to kind of, uh-huh. you know, step off that base a little bit and, uh, and still play. It's still play. Yeah. Um, but I, but ultimately I think, you know, just, I think that's what I would say. I was like, just being in adjustment with your partner and right. they in, in adjustment with you, you know, like my, my teacher said, just like your, your belly button to belly button, you're connected, mm-hmm. um, in this like visceral kind of way where it's like, you're, you're just, you feel it, you see it before it's said kind of a, kind of a situation and just you're, you're acting and moving with that. 
but you're connected always. Yeah. Um, That's so. a good way to put it that it's an adjustment thing because it's not, it's not that you, I, I think sometimes it could be easy for a performer to think it's either all one thing or all another. And if you come in with one thing and then someone else is bringing something else to the scene or what the scene is about, you just sort of adjust to allow them both to sort of coexist. The, the example, totally, yeah. Yeah, the, the example I've been using maybe too much lately was that <laughs> I, I rewatched uh, Infinity Wars, Avengers Infinity, War, Infinity okay. Wars, a, a couple months ago. And uh -huh. there's that scene in it right when uh, the danger starts happening for, the, for, for like Tony Stark mm -hmm. and them, and uh, they find out Thanos is coming. There's this like little patter between them when they start joking about having a Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor named after him. It's really funny, but mm -hmm. the actors are not playing up the yucks. You know, they they don't drop that emotion of, okay, you know, there's an imminent danger and we're sure. trying to figure that out. But they're still also like weaving this humorous thing into it as well. And it's it's a hard adjustment to make, but it's there are plenty of examples of it out there. Sure. Yeah. And I, it's like and it's not to say that you give up on, you know, if you come in if you're coming in with like a want or an emotional point of view, it's not that you give up on that. It's exactly. like it's, it's like me. It's like I wanted to get home really quick today, but the trains were going slow. So it's just <laughs> like I I'm going to feel like I want to go faster today, but it's just not going to happen. So exactly. I just have to, I got to deal with it. Yeah, um, and maybe so. another good example is like Leslie Nielsen in Airplane or Naked Gun and those <laughs> things, where he's saying things dead serious, but they're ridiculous yes. things. You know, yes. it's it, it's another example or another way that someone can go about doing that. Where, okay, you've come into this scene with this desire, this want. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're frustrated. You know, maybe you're scared. But it's there's still like a comedic element of this scene that can affect you and you can allow it to continue to affect you. Totally. And I think with improv, I think a lot of it is like we're in an improv theater and we're improvising. The expectation is that it's already we're here to have fun and it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. The assumptions are already there from the audience and from you. So if you're taking something a little seriously, everybody's already going to be looking for the funny side of it. Mm -hmm. If you're in a black box theater and you're wearing all black and you're holding a skull, you know, the expectation is going to be, all right, this is more serious. This mm -hmm. is, I, I, sh I need to be, you know, let me find the, the darker, more emotional things for me to relate to. Mm -hmm. so I think that's, it's just like the expectations already kind of there and it's already kind of taken care of. Now you can just talk to the person across from you right. and it's going to be interesting because humans are weird and we say <laughs> weird stuff and just trust it's already it's already funny right right yeah. and I, I feel like that's something I started learning immediately at magnet of in level one which is mm -hmm. just just what you said you know like you don't have to force the humor totally you don't have to yeah. reach for it you don't have to uh, you know put your tongue in cheek too hard you, it's just say how you actually feel and it's mm -hmm. already there, you know. I mean, yeah. that's it, it's just going to start happening for you. Mm -hmm. And you just and and if you're that relaxed, then I think it just helps to. And you're listening on that level. It's just so much easier for you to be surprised by something new, and 
which will be it will delight you and mm-hmm. ho- hopefully you don't break on stage but you'll probably break on stage mm-hmm. but that's a, that's okay every once in a while too so yeah i try not to break you are very good at not breaking not true not true i, <laughs> I feel like true. i've rarely seen you break oh uh, it happens all the time <laughs> <laughs> it happens like too, I, it's not enough where I get like super mad at myself. Like I, I've had times where I'm just like, okay, that's enough, and I'll go read like Uta Hagen or something, and then come back like way, way too deep and way too serious. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, uh, yeah, it's controllable, and it's you know, I think sometimes you just can't help it. It's like you know, if you get pinched, you say ouch. If you get tickled, you laugh. And right. I think a lot of times, if you're on stage, it's like. You know, somebody's going to say these are funny people that we that you deal with, every, you know, wherever you are, and somebody's going to say something funny and it's going to surprise you, and you're just you're yeah. gonna, hey, it's just can just get back yeah. on track. Body you know? works real great about that, about like surprising the oh, audience, man. yourselves. It's my favorite team, I, I think, oh. in the country. <laughs> I think I really in the country. In the I, country, I would. I now keep in mind, I have not seen improvised Shakespeare. They are very, very talented. <laughs> yes. and they are very good. Um, and uh, but you know, and and I feel like I'm saying house teams. So like you know, don't throw out the general wash. Yeah, yeah, right. Don't don't let's not throw out teams like TJ and Dave or something like that. I'm sure. just saying, like you know, we're talking about house teams. I think it might be. It's up there. I, I just I really appreciate just how you, everything you all do. This the. Way you all connect, the silliness that comes out of it, while also really finding all the different avenues to make a character really be activated. It's just a lot of fun. Oh, fun cool. structure. You all are great. You're you're so fun. Everybody um, come come out and see body work. <laughs> yes. Every Wednesday on <laughs> Megawatt. So you started coaching, and um, are these some of the elements that you bring into it, the things that we're talking about? And do you use um, any Meisner techniques or Uta Hagen techniques? Yeah, I, I, I like to do like some what I like to call like Meisner light scenes, mm-hmm. uh, where it's not like full-on repetition because it's like, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of two different mindsets for me where it's like if I, if I was to go into like a – like if, I'm, if I was to teach somebody like – some Meisner, then I'm going to get serious. I'm going to be very hard, very like mm-hmm. something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to use the basis of that into getting into just scenes, you know, and a lot of it's just like kind of what we were just talking about, just being connected with somebody. So if we're just saying, if we don't have to worry about the words, we're just looking at each other and looking and just trying to read behavior out of, out from, from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like a great place to start and then just like kind of start a scene from there. So I do like to use like some repetition on stuff uh, coming in with like intention as far as like, uh, like, like verbs is like a big thing. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's just like uh, to stick a needle in somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like to come out with that intention of like, I'm going to needle you, you know, the way I talk to you, it's going to change my behavior, mm. uh, you know, using stuff like that. Uh, but it all depends on the situation of the team and kind of what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in some ways, I don't know how this started, but I've been brought onto a couple teams where it was like, Hey, they're getting, they're getting really silly and they're having fun, but they just need to like, kind of like bring it back down to earth a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like, so I've kind of started there with like some teams of like, hey, let's just like, let's just, let's just be actors and, and, and approach it from that. So I think my background kind of helps me with those situations. Oh, great. Um, 
So I do like to do that. But I think for the most part, it's just kind of like reading the room about like either what that team particularly needs on that day or what they need like just generally overall um, and just trying to be kind of adaptable to kind of like what's happening in the room. Um, Cause there's some, you know, there's some days, especially if you like work with a team a lot. So you can kind of tell like the energy's low, um, maybe somebody's sick, um, you know, so it's like, oh, well let's just be kind of light and have some fun and don't be too serious. Um, and there's some days where like, you know, if, if everybody's kind of, you know, talking too much on their phones and like, let's do something that's got a little bit more discipline to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's kind of, kind of a mixture of both coming coming in there with a plan but being flexible to kind of just adapt to the situation that's happening mm-hmm. so, did that even come close to answering your question yeah i, okay. I really appreciated it actually I, I was sitting here like absorbing it all who are you coaching right now are you coaching a megawatt team right now i just i just finished with sexy baby i was with them for like a little over a year okay yeah and then uh, every once in a while i'll sub in and coach metal boy every once in a while mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but as of right now, nothing consistent. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just, I think I did my last, I did my last, I don't think, I know I did my last rehearsal with Sexy Baby on uh, Monday. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was like over a year with him. Because I do think like, after you know, if you're on a team and it's like, it, things get stale. And if you have the same coach after like maybe six to eight months, if it's mm-hmm. like really stale, it's like, yeah, you got to kind of hear a new voice and. Right. I think as a teacher, it's like, I mean, for me, it's like those guys are so good and they're so sharp that I kind of like, I, I really don't have much to offer you that's too, too new with like my perspective. Um, mm-hmm. And they were kind of developing a new form and it's like they kind of got that off the ground and it's like, great. Now just, uh, yeah, go move on to somebody else and see what else is out there. Yeah, that's Which what I think is um, good. Yeah, it is. That's actually what we just experienced because Lewis Cornfield being intuitive as he is um, Mm -hmm. just we didn't feel like anything was getting stale um, and I don't think he did either but he was just saying for our own good he was saying uh, you know you all have established yourselves enough I think it's time for you to get another voice in the room for you so your teammate Charlie Nicholson is coaching us at the moment oh good Charlie yeah Uh, he coached my TPW team so oh cool Um, I love Charlie and Charlie's like you know, someone who definitely like I love like he he approaches things from such like a creative artistic point of view. Yeah, I think you'll you'll enjoy that a lot. Yeah, he's for sure. He's, yeah, uh, he's great. Mm-hmm. I wanted yeah. to ask you something. I noticed when we were emailing back and forth that you had a Bible verse in your mm-hmm. signature. Yeah, and I was wondering if uh, faith helps you in this in New York and, and especially in this industry trying to move forward because I have faith, but sometimes, you know, my, my mm-hmm. unbelief I have, I have difficulty with and sure. just, just keeping positive and trusting and mm-hmm. continuing down the a simple path. Are you, do you have yeah. those struggles or, or, you know, is it like, what is it like for you? Yeah, I think like, um, First, yes, it does help me, uh, and it's something that, like, I think it's just, like, I mean, and it you growing up where we grew up, it's, like, inescapable that, like, right. for the most part, Christianity is going to be your foundation. Absolutely, even for, if you are an atheist. Yeah, for better or for worse, it affects every part of, you know, until, you know, maybe, like, 15, 20 years ago, it's, like, 
Sunday was still shut down. Mm-hmm. Things were closed. Mm-hmm. It was like you went to church and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, just, just because of nature, uh, and it, of my nature growing up and where I grew up, it was like, that was going to be a part of my life. But I think, um, I had, I've searched it out enough independently on my own, uh, where it still is very much a part of my life, um, mm-hmm. for sure. And I mean, that particular verse, it's, uh, Proverbs 13, four, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just the sluggard, uh, craves and receives nothing while the desires of the diligent are fully received. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just a reminder. Don't be lazy. Cause mm-hmm. I think I have a natural tendency to just be lazy. Uh, so you know, the sluggard craves and receives nothing. So uh, that's really the, the thing that I'm just like, okay, get up and do do the thing, uh, even though you don't want to. And then as far as like struggles, I think like, I think wondering about what's outside of your, your yourself, your own personal world, your own personal relationships, what exists outside of, you know, the bigger things in life. I think it's just important to ponder those things. Mm-hmm. Um, a pastor of mine, uh, he had this great sermon. It was just about, uh, it was a great thing. He was like, take moments to be in awe of like, you know, go look at a mountain and just like think of like what it took for that thing to exist. And, mm-hmm. um, or like any great piece of architecture or art, but, you know, look up at the sky and just think like my son is so naturally curious about space he loves he's two and a half years old but he he loves his he loves planets and we watch all these nat geo things about the universe and me and my wife are learning along with him and it's just constantly everything we keep reading and unfolding in this next new video or book that we get for him or whatever it just talks about just how vast everything is and it's great and scary to feel and realize how insignificant and small we are it, uh, it's scary, but it also takes complete pressure off of everything because it's just like there's so much more to ponder about, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and to fold that back into, you know, to improv and acting, I think I always enjoy thinking about improv as an art form, not only because of like how it can affect an audience, because the audience is just as much as part of the show. They're bringing their energy and their thoughts and their subconscious into the into the room, but mm-hmm. also it's like you have a chance to sit across. Someone that you probably know pretty well, probably a friend, and you just get to connect with them in this way that's that's different than your everyday connection and that really can exist on a much deeper plane. So it's like, you know, it gets mislabeled, in my opinion, as like hippy-dippy improv. Mm-hmm. But like as far as like, you know, the group mind and the deeper connections that we kind of all have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, this is an opportunity, you know, you always have an opportunity to kind of let those things happen and, you know, connect in a real way uh, on a deeper level with someone. And have fun. You know, it's like all the Del Close stuff that everybody used to talk about in Chicago. Like all his stories and all his stories and all his stories of like a herald is like this thing that's just like never ending. It exists and we're just taking a slice of it and just mm-hmm. embodying it and expressing it here on this stage. I, it's, I, like, I like thinking about improv or acting or anything that you're creating. I like thinking about it in those deeper senses because it just mm-hmm. – A, it just it, – it makes it more meaningful uh, it makes it more impactful. Um, hopefully, um, you know, I think it's okay to like go into a show and just like, Oh man, maybe I could inspire someone to want to do this too. Or maybe like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make somebody's day better or, um, 
you know, I need to make my day better. I need to get this thing off my chest. You know, it's just like so to express those deeper, deeper things that we all have, and just be, you know, just be humans. These yeah. little, these little beings on a ball. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's. Space. I think, um, you know, it's for me the difficulty uh, in my my like time here when it comes to my belief system uh or like specifically belief in god um Mm -hmm. it's been you know there's always the struggle in getting work and having stability and when Mm -hmm. that doesn't come it can be easy to be like well god you know i thought you led me here why is it not going well Mm -hmm. um and that stuff you know i think it's stuff to definitely work out within yourself And, you know, then like recently I was reading something. I was like, oh, wait a minute. King David went through that, too, when he was king. Right. Yeah. He was like, God, why are you forgetting about me? Totally. Um, Or like answer me with haste, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, that's like, there's just like tough times sometimes. And you can always just like go to God and be like, hey, what's the deal? Totally. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a built-in therapist. Yeah. But I think it's just like. I don't know. It's just, I think it's just important to feel connected to something. And it's like, it, uh-huh. and you know, that's not to in any way like dictate that it's like, Hey, you have to, you have to go to church or you have to like right. believe in this certain religion or anything like that. I just think, uh, you know, just thinking, just thinking higher and bigger. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, could help like, especially like, you know, we were talking about people like with their expectations and, uh, becoming like bitter, or, like not making a team or something like that. A, mm-hmm. when you're thinking about something larger and bigger, A, you get a great sense of perspective and, you know, greater sense of grace that you're giving people and yourself in those kind of like moments that make them like less devastating. Yeah. <laughs> and it just gives your life like an equilibrium that's like just takes away some of the highs and the lows a little bit, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is probably the most helpful thing because it's easy to like ride you know, success, failure, like whether it's a show, whether it's your career or relationships or whatever, it's just like, you, it's easy to give it like this pass, fail, like, don't like kind of a situation to it when there's a lot more median ground on, on so many things that you could give yourself a break on and give other people a break on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in a stage right now where I'm trying to find the right balance because, you know, it, it, when you're trying to look for work and, and things aren't going as well you can get sort of uh, down and out so to speak mm-hmm. and being down totally. and out can affect your your faith and there's an appropriate uh position to sort of be in when you're struggling even or not struggling in your faith and um you know it even kind of goes back to the don't be a slugger don't be lazy thing you can be mm-hmm. lazy with your faith when it's something you need to be more active about and then sure also with you know where I want to be as a performer, it's not necessarily you. where am I going? Am I going to be a big success in the comedy world or entertainment right. world? It's more of a like, I feel like I'm not doing what I came here to do sometimes because I'll go do a show and I'll not really stretch myself as much as I can. So I still feel like I'm being lazy and not positioning myself in the right way. Sure. Um, and there's this balance that I'm finding and it's all sort of like some of it is sort of con- like connected. Uh, it's all like cyclical, but some of it's like a little something else and separate from all that. And I'm, I'm just trying to like figure out how to manage that sometimes, but mm. you know, that's part of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
like the, think, the yeah. lesson is that you get through it, I guess. Yeah, I think that's always like that's the tag to any like conversation. You're like, oh, that's life. <laughs> and like, yeah, there you go. Right. Oh man. <laughs> well, thanks for talking about that with me. I, I do appreciate. Oh, for that. sure. Yeah. Um, Anytime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's move on to a portion where we try to create something together now that we're okay. at the end of the episode. And Great. I really dig everything I've heard about Meisner. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. I don't know how we could do a Meisner exercise uh, since we're not together right now. Um, sure. So I, I don't know what we could necessarily do unless it's like, do you have any... Um, exercises that you like to do alone that you could suggest people do? I think like uh, a a teacher I had in here in New York, Matt Corazine, Mm -hmm. um, he kind of had a thing where it was just like, you can do a repetition with yourself. It's just like a nice way to kind of like get in touch with like where you are, but also it, it helps get the attention off of yourself. So it's like Mm -hmm. specifically like, you know, before auditions um, or any big thing you have going on. Um, so for those who don't know, if you were to do Meister training, the first thing you probably are going to do is your teacher is going to sit you in front of another person and you're going to make a very general physical description of like something like you, you have red shoes so that you just say red shoes and then that person would say red shoes back and then you just go back and forth, red shoes, red shoes, red shoes, red shoes, red shoes. And what you're trying to get to the point of like, you're listening to not the words, but how those words are said. So if it's like red shoes, you know, hopefully it gets to the point within that repetition where you can be like, you're being judgmental. Mm. I'm being judgmental. You're being judgmental. I'm being judgmental. You're being judgmental. Where you're just kind of getting into that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of level. And then, you know, you go through, you go through, and that gets more advanced and, and more detailed as far as like you're reading your partner's behavior and also just kind of checking in with where you are and how you are. A, because mm-hmm. they're probably going to be telling you, and you're also going to be feeling it and expressing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. For a solo repetition, um, let's say I'll do this if I'm like too nervous about an audition, I'm in my head, I'm like projecting, I'm already thinking way too far ahead in the future about the results or any of that kind of stuff. If I'm on the train, I can just be like, you're breathing heavy. Yeah, you're breathing heavy. I'm breathing heavy. Yeah, you're breathing heavy. <laughs> you're breathing heavy. I'm breathing heavy. You're nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. You're nervous. Yeah, you're nervous. Oh, look at that guy. Yeah, look at that guy. Look at that guy. Yeah, look at that guy. <laughs> you know, it's just like then you, it'll kind of come outside of yourself. You'll observe yourself. Of like, you thought that was funny. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> so you could kind of just do a self-repetition within yourself of kind of being your own scene partner. Okay. Um, and, you know, a little bit of that, A, it's, it is ridiculous, so you invariably will kind of laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, it, it is a way of, like, connecting to something, even if it's your own anxiety or worry or happiness or energy or w- whatever you have kind of going on. You kind of connect with that and just kind of accept that truth, but also just kind of, like, start noticing the world around you. Um it's cool to like, uh, I like before improv shows, if I'm feeling like a little low energy, I like to just like start calling out observations of people and behaviors or, um, whether it's like copying somebody's walk or just like, you know, I'm looking out my window right now and it's like, yeah, two, two friends, kids dribbling a basketball, mm-hmm. mom with a stroller, pink little bonnet top, uh, you know, just call out just observations and maybe some of those will just kind of stick 
Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I in the TJ and Dave documentary, I love like that first part. They're just kind of walking around the city together, just mm-hmm. kind of calling out the things they see, and take time alone, just kind of go out and observe and just kind of be in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those things are important to kind of bring in. Um, mm, and those I'm, help because. It it's not just observing the the speaking it out also helps you absorb it a little bit. Is that what I'm? Could, yeah, I mean, I it? guess so. I I'm probably with that as far as like calling out observations. I'm probably not like outwardly verbally about those. That's probably like a okay. little bit more of an inner monologue, most likely, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I have a notebook out, so maybe I'll jot something down if if a person's particularly interesting. I know me and my wife. It's like if we see a couple. Or we see somebody on the street, we'll just start kind of like hypothesizing about what their deal is and what their story is. Um, of like, why are they, why are they eating that sandwich? You know, laying down on a park bench. Like, I wonder, like, what was it about their day or their life that has led them to this this point? Um, just observations about the world. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's, um, I think that stuff is helpful. And then. Uh, my first teacher at IO, Todd Edwards, he constantly stressed reading, 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 reading every before every class. He asked, what shows have you watched and what are you reading? So it was like this constant, like, you know, uh, pressure to like be reading something interesting <laughs> and, and, and new, mm-hmm. um, because it's all about like just improv specific. I think it is about just like feeding your subconscious, uh, a lot of material, uh, that will kind of just like you know all of a sudden you just have like connections and references and stuff that just kind of will kind of flow out of you um Mm -hmm. i remember like it was like maybe like season maybe like season seven of game of thrones if you went and saw a megawatt show you would see so many like kings queens knights from every everybody because you could tell it was just in the ether of everybody's Uh things i think those things just kind of feed uh through and and if you have, like, the ability to marathon through, like, the four hours of a megawatt show or any theater, like, whatever their night is where it's just, like, multiple teams, mm-hmm. uh, I can – I won't guarantee because that sounds ridiculous. But look for – I think you can see – you can look for those, like, elements that call back. Even for people who haven't even seen the show before, there'll mm-hmm. be an element that finds its way through. I have um, seen that a few yeah. times and it is bizarre. It, and yeah. it even happened when Sweetheart was warming up. We uh, started some some sort of like all for love sort of chant or something and, it, and mm-hmm. it warped into different phrases. And then two minutes after we were done with that exercise, a woman walked up with a shirt that said all for love. And it's just yeah, like, man. what's going on? <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, we're all connected, all man. Connected. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's I love that sort of synchronicity. I, I guess that's uh, maybe a way to think of it. Um, yeah. I the thing for me lately, I I feel like I'm playing kind of reserved or tight or something, and I want to be mm. out of my skin a little, uh, like a lot more, and like sure, let my body be a little bit more free, and and sure. my my vocals to be more free to take on more tones or be more adaptable to being somebody else. Totally. Um, and I, I feel like the thing you were talking about would help me sort of get out of, uh, out of myself a little bit, but do you have any other sort of ideas on, on how to get out? Yeah. <laughs> your, Is it like, I mean like straight up character work, like uh, as far mm-hmm. as like, physical uh changing your physical posture uh Mm -hmm. even down to like the shoes you wear 
mm-hmm. the clothes you wear for a show, um, anything that could help affect and give you new behavior. So it's like oh. if you wear like really soft shoes, just see what it's like to like wear a boot or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, or like if you're always like a shirt tucked in kind of guy, you know, wear a t shirt and short. I mean, just something that can help affect your behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly, you know, it's like, like if you do like a character walk, you know, it's just like you pick a body part, let it lead you, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. build that, build that, build that. You'll find a voice out of that. Um, I think physical is like a, like probably like the quickest way into something that's new and different for you to just put yourself in a physical position um, and stride that's just foreign to you and and let a new voice kind of come out of that. Um I think that's that's probably like the quickest way into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second to that, kind of you know when I was talking earlier about like using like verbs or intention on someone, like if you have like a very specific intention that you want to enact on a person of like you know to make them jealous, something very active. I think that alone carries with it a very particular you know if I'm going to make you jealous, it's like I might I might be a little bit more whispery or like. You know, kind of lean in, a little, you know, a little bit, be a little bit more conniving in my behavior, you know. Um, so I think, like, yeah, very specificity and just stuff that's like active, whether it's a physical, you know, giving yourself something very physical and obvious, um, or giving yourself kind of an internal kind of like place to aim. Well, there Maybe. it is. Thanks so much yeah. for being on the podcast and sharing <laughs> all of that with me. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Ah, what a good dude. Really loved having him on. He's such a good guy and a uh, great performer as well. And if you want to know more about him, you can go to his website, colinbatten.com. Also, if you want him to coach, he has those services. So contact him again. That's colinbatten.com. He's also on Twitter, at Colin Batten. Links in bio. Hey, we've got some fun people coming up, but who are some guests you would like to see on the podcast? Maybe specific people or certain kinds of guests that you haven't really heard as much from as you would like. Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook at There It Is Pod. You can also email us. You can go to thereitispod.com and send us a quick little email saying, hey, here's someone I'd love to see. And we'll try. Hey, who knows? Well, we hope we inspired you this week. Until next time. Be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 